There it is. All right. It is a beautiful Monday. I have an awesome guest. We are going to talk all about the monogamy hangover. Ready to learn about that? I am. Let's do this. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, here we go. It's a beautiful Monday. Welcome, 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 everybody. As always, before we jump in and chat with our awesome guest today, I want to quickly remind everybody to please follow the show on all our social medias at Practicing Poly A. Uh, and if you're listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, any other podcast app, please subscribe, leave a review wherever it is that you download the pod. Uh, also, if you want to support the show, please send me a DM on your favorite social media and ask me about your malpractice or errors in emissions insurance. I'm an insurance guy. I can help you out. Uh, and as always, I want to remind you, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. If you're actively polyamorous, polyam curious, or a professional serving the polyamorous community, I want to hear your story. If you're disabled, BIPOC, pan, bi, demi, gay, straight, sex worker, kinkster, queer, lesbian, trans, envy, ace, arrow, whatever it is, I want to hear your story. The more stories we hear, the more the world learns about us, the more representation we have, and the better we can serve our community. All right, that's the intro spiel. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the best part, we get to introduce our guest. Today's guest is a well-versed relationship coach who absolutely loves what she does. She's committed to making space in the world for people to express their deepest desires and to live and love in healthy ways. And that starts with the realization that the primary relationship is with your own self. And she teaches her clients to radically embrace the mess and leads them to craft and co-create the relationship landscape that excites them every day. Now, our guest created the Monogamy Detox course, a course for social misfits, cultural rebels, and relationship radicals where she dismantles the perfect relationship fantasy and helps people recover from their monogamy hangovers. We're going to talk about that today. As we break away from our monogamous culture and navigate a new landscape, it's easy to get lost. Today's guest knows that open relationships are challenging, confusing, and messy, even at the best of times. And she's here to empower you in your journey to embodied, authentic, joyful, and loving radical relationships. Joining us today from Radical Relationship Coaching, welcome to the show, Mel Cassidy. <laughs> <laughs> i got you laughing already this is a good sign welcome 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 mel how are you today i'm i'm good i'm like overwhelmed hearing my own introduction uh but you know i i'm definitely count as one of those like imperfect polyamorous people my goodness i have had my messes and that's all part of the learning journey right like absolutely is nobody's perfect at this perfection is part of the the mythology that we want to get over. So, yeah, I'm so glad you're doing this. Yeah, well, oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> so let's talk about a, a little bit about this perfect partnership mythology, right? This is, uh, is this part of the monogamy detox, monogamy hangover, all this stuff? Tell me a little bit about that. 
Yeah, I mean, all of us know what that is. We've all been sold on this idea since we were children, whether it's like the the fairy tale prince who's going to come sweep you off your feet or whatever, the soulmate twin flame mythology. We, we get sold on this idea that we're not complete as human beings, mm-hmm. as adults, mm-hmm. until we find that other half. The better and- half, yeah. Yeah, and so much languaging around the way that we talk about relationships, the messaging that's given about relationships is about how important that is to find the one. And Mm -hmm. when you find the one, you have to keep the one and you have to be exclusive with the one. And there's all sorts of um, expectations and responsibilities that are put onto the one. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's all a bunch of BS. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew, though? I mean, to be fair, I I feel like I'm definitely one of those, right? I grew up uh, believing in the one. I always thought uh, Tara says, "Ugh, better half." Yeah, exactly. The better half. The the you complete me. The you're my everything. All this stuff. And you know, I I definitely grew up on that. I still love country music and so many country songs out there are all about, you know, the one girl and how she's everything. And there's like some songs that, you know, uh, I've already forgotten every woman, but you, you know, and it's like, we, we have this expectation for me. I definitely had that expectation that the one is supposed to cure everything and make everything better. Right. And that's painfully untrue. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my my teenage playlist was all like Alanis Morissette on one side and Enrique Iglesias on the other. And it's like the, the like Enrique Iglesias Jr. And like all the like, you know, you're the one I run to. You're going to fix everything. Mm-hmm. All of that. And and, you know, we we pursue that. But you know, when we start to explore non-monogamy, we get confronted with how that story is just a story and it's not the only script that's available. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as much as we get told that like, you know, you're going to find your one person, it's going to be this perfect partnership. You're going to feel safe and secure and stable forevermore because you have this special person in your life. Um, When we explore non-monogamy, that gets challenged. Absolutely. that can be terrifying. Mm. That is so scary. Whether you are going from having a closed monogamous relationship opening up or you're entering into non-monogamy as a solo person, it's really scary to start to realize like, oh, maybe it isn't just one person. Maybe I have multiple people or maybe I don't have any kind of stability or security in my life because I mean, monogamy is no guarantee that you're going to have that relationship forever. And I think when we start exploring non-monogamy, it really confronts us with that reality. It 100% does, no doubt about it. Um, I, I can see it from both sides. You know, on the one hand, we have the fact that we don't put everything on one partner, that that can be very liberating. We can have this freedom of getting our needs met from different partners. But by the same token, there's a sense of security, perhaps, that we have in in monogamy, where when we are our partner's everything, that we start to develop like a codependence, all right? Almost? Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, not even almost, like pretty... Uh, it, it, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Pretty accurately, a codependency. And so when we start to open up our relationships and break away from that, this is where we start to enter that monogamy hangover, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we, what you're describing there is that I call it the two headed monster, just like in Sesame street, right? You, you become joined at the hip. You are two halves of the same whole and you forget how to function independently um, at, at the most extreme kinds of codependence and enmeshment. And when we are moving out of that, um, we, there's still some of that programming going on, right? It's unconscious. We may not even understand why we're doing what we're doing. Um, because there's some kind of default mechanism in us that wants to autopilot back into that codependent enmeshed space Mm -hmm. and doesn't know how to be independent. Because again, all that messaging we've had is that you get to know yourself through the external relationship that you have with this special other person. But when we start having relationships with multiple special other people, we're exploring different aspects of ourselves. We're discovering Mm -hmm. new things. And it's like, whoa, who am I at the end of the day? My God. My. (gasps) Yes, exactly that. Like that is mind blowing right there. It's so true. Um, You know, I, I, when I think about relationships in, in, you know, my monogamous life, it's definitely very intertwined. And, uh, you know, I talk about this even even uh, with my uh, partners now. You get into one set of hobbies with partner A and you get a different set of hobbies with partner B. And yeah, there's definitely a questioning of identity even. Like, wait a minute, who am I? Like, I like this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> stories about that all the time too. And we get told that the way that we're supposed to demonstrate our love to our partners, it has to do with like being a martyr, right? We have to be self-sacrificing in order to prove that we love somebody, um, that we have to create stability no matter what the cost, right? Mm -hmm. Losing a relationship or de-escalating from a relationship or the sexual connection changing in a relationship is seen as some kind of like your relationship is now doomed. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, those are all very unhealthy beliefs. And, you know, they they stem back to that patriarchal monogamous paradigm of like, you have to be a certain way and you have to fit yourself into this box of relating. Um, But I think that on the journey out of that patriarchal monogamy, we get to explore, well, what how do I actually get to show my love with people? How is it that I actually receive love and affection? And what are the healthy ways that I can relate with people? Is sex the primary marker of health in a relationship? Or are there other measures that I can use in my connections that have more meaning for me? You have started on some really good topics right there. Um one thing that you mentioned, and and I would just want to throw this out there for uh, anybody listening. Uh, if you're listening on a computer and you can open up another tab, check out Mel's website, radicalrelationshipcoaching.ca, because there is so many resources that I was just going through and, again, getting mind blown. Um, check out her blog. So much, so many good articles, so many good blog posts that you have there uh, talking about the, the relationship escalator is one of the things that you just mentioned uh, j- just a minute ago. Uh, and then the other one was patriarchal 
uh, monogamy. Can you give me a little bit of, of your definition of patriarchal monogamy? I, I love this term. And I, I mean, I did my own little bit of reading, but for um, the edification of anybody listening. Yeah, you know, when I when I started to talk about this, I would talk about toxic monogamy. And I had some people get really mad at me because they're like, not all monogamy is toxic. And I'm like, well, yes, it's true. There is there's a healthy, conscious way to do monogamy. And what is that? And I started to unpack, like, what are these toxic, unhealthy aspects that I'm looking at? And they all stem from that patriarchal dominance culture paradigm. So the idea that we can own one another in relationships, that agency gets lost in a relationship, um, that you have to stay together forever, right? These are all the sort of traditional, rigid, uh, you everything is now written in stone once you are in this relationship forms of monogamy. And we can trace that back to the patriarchal traditions of Europe and the Middle East and other places. Um, but there is there is something very specific about the flavor of patriarchal monogamy. You know, I think about how that shows up for us today in things like purity culture, right? Mm -hmm. That's an extreme form of patriarchal monogamy where sex is so stigmatized and um, repressed. And, and there's very, very specific messaging about the role of sexuality as being only something that you share with your single partner that you have for life. And mm -hmm. then it's only for procreation, right? So um, there's many different ways that patriarchal monogamy can show up, uh, but it's, it's that very deep scripting around, um, you know, heteronormative, cis-normative roles of relating. Got it. And another way to say that or, or another way that you would have defined that toxic part of monogamy like so it, it, get, correct me if i'm wrong it's kind of like toxic monogamy patriarchal monogamy kind of the same thing not all me is bad but start to institute these things that's when it becomes kind of toxic yeah. And, you know, I've had some folks go through um, my course and work with me and they've started off thinking that what they want to do is explore polyamory. But mm -hmm. at the end of that journey, they realize that actually what's going to work better for them is monogamy. But they've now got tools to do monogamy in a way that doesn't subscribe to that patriarchal model that they've they've deprogrammed themselves from that and they can go about engaging in monogamy in a conscious and consensual and egalitarian way. Nice. Very nice. So see, polyamory isn't always the answer. Sometimes you can still be monogamous. It's just choosing conscious monogamy. I love it. Now the other thing that you mentioned it's certainly more enjoyable than my average day. I mean, me too. But <laughs> uh, the other thing that you touched on uh, that that I wanted to uh, talk about was the relationship escalator. I did get a chance to quickly uh, skim through your blog post on the relationship escalator, and I found it fascinating. Uh, I didn't get nearly as deep into it as I would like. Again, check out her blog, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, everybody. Check it out because it's so cool. So much good stuff there. Um, but talking about that escalator and detangling ourselves from me to a point we don't have to subscribe to the relationship escalator. Can you tell me, if, we could read your blog, that's one way, but 
tell me a little bit for anybody who's who just wants to kind of listen in uh your thoughts the relationship later and building lasting intimate relationships without subscribing to it mm-hmm So if you think of an escalator, right, an escalator is a human-made structure. It is a construct. It is a narrow journey, and there's only room for two people to ride that escalator at a time. And so that is the traditional pathway of relationships that we're given, that you're going to go on this escalator, and there's an inevitability that once you step onto that first step, you're going to keep going. What I like to think of is instead of an escalator, get rid of that, you're in a vast open landscape. And in this landscape, there's many different pathways. There's many different roads. There's many different destinations. And you get to decide where it is you want to go and where it is you want to explore. And you can go and explore different places at different times. You can start a journey and then get sidetracked and you can go back to another journey, right? The being a, having a relationship landscape is really about getting to custom create your own path in relating. You're not just defaulting to this set path of it's just two people and that's it. You're you're saying you're open to cultivating a landscape. I like to think of it as like cultivating your own personal relational ecology of, mm. you know, not just romantic partners but also friendships, family members, community, and all of that forms part of your landscape. The challenge in that is is that as soon as you have all these options it can feel very overwhelming right like <laughs> yeah. what do you do you want to go all the places and explore all the things and we don't have very many guide maps for what we find off the escalator right and a lot of a lot of polyamorous writers have focused on offering a guide for what worked for them and that may work for you if you have a similar context and history and background as that writer if you have similar desires as that writer but that's not necessarily going to work for everyone. So I really look at how do we what are the tools through which we can understand how to make sense of the landscape that we're in and to make uh, informed conscious choices about how we're exploring that landscape. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm thinking as you're talking uh I'm not much of a video game player. Uh, I, I played more games in my younger years than I do now, but uh, I'm thinking of like Super Mario Brothers, right? You have the beginning of the level and you have the end of the level and you have eight worlds and like the the trajectory is very defined and this is where you go and this is how you win the game. And then you have other games, other RPGs. The first one that came to my mind was Fable. Um, and this one has, like you were saying, many different pathways and options so many areas that you can go to there isn't defined path and in fable i remember you could choose to be dead and like go out and kill chickens because you're just an evil person or you can and like all of the people and like there's different uh consequences for each of these different actions but i mean how i I think of it super it down and simplify it for myself. Does that I work? Think that's a great analogy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I get that one. Miss, what do you think it means? I hope so. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, 
there a lot of things that I found absolutely fascinating about you as I was reading your bio. Uh, I'm I didn't I didn't leave it open, but um, anti-racist, anti-colonial, anti, and, and pro. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, these <laughs> social um, issues that you are passionate about, and where does that come from? Yeah. So my own personal journey in the last few years has been a lot about unpacking my identity and um, how I take up space and what are the pieces of trauma that I hold from my ancestral lineage. So um, I'm white presenting and I am femme presenting, but as a person, I am genderqueer and um, my ancestry and my mother's line are six generations of refugees. We are displaced peoples. And um, I think a lot about the, the ways that my mother's family had to adapt into whiteness when they left Europe, when they went to South America and then ended up leaving South America and came to Canada and all the different ways that, you know, pieces that were authentic for them had to be dropped by the wayside um, because that was part of survival. Um, for myself, I, you know, I have the privilege to have had an amazing education because I, my father was English. Um, I, I grew up in the Middle East, though, and I got to experience the, the possibilities of melting pots of cultures. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I moved to North America in my 20s, it was really confronting for me to see how, how, how hard it was for the integration to happen. And then I started to realize how that was the legacy of trauma. You know, that's the legacy of um, indigenous genocide and the legacy of slavery and of so many other pieces of um, racial aggression that have happened through the years. And all that racial aggression goes back to colonialism. Right. And, um, and I think that there's a very strong relationship between colonialism and patriarchal monogamy. I mean, I, you know, there's amazing folks like um, Dr. Kim Tallbear. She talks about how uh, monogamy was enforced on indigenous peoples in North America as oh. part of the genocide, as part of colonialism. And so, you know, unpacking all of that, I go back into my own ancestry, which is um, Sinti. So um, the group of people who are known as gypsies, although that is considered to be a racial slur. Uh, but I find that so many, so few people know who the Sinti actually are that I end up having to use that word to contextualize it. You know, so my ancestry that goes back to Sinti that also has Arab and, and other um, uh, minorities within it, you know, it, their practices for relationships would have been very different. Mm -hmm. um, I even think about like my grandmother, my grandmother was raised by her mother, her aunts and her own grandmother, right? Like it was this, it was a collective of a family. And um, there's something about Western culture where we've lost that community feeling. I often wonder if polyamory is part of a strategy we have at an unconscious level to get back to something more nice. like that. Um, but for me, like my own path in myself, my own healing journey has been a lot about unpacking what are the pieces of colonialism that I internalized through having gone through the British education system and through my own ignorance and what is actually the truth of the um, 
the ancestry that I carry? What, how do I heal this uh, intergenerational trauma? You know, both my mother and my grandmother were survivors of Nazi war crimes. And so there's, there's like stuff that's right there within living memory in my family. Um, and all of that influences who I am and how I show up in the world. And I could probably talk for hours. <laughs> about that. Um, but it, you know, it's, the more that I've done on that, the more I realize like this is something that I need to uh, not hide in the shadows. This is something that I want to be present in how I do because it's important to my values and it's important to who I am as a person. And when I show up as a coach, I'm showing up as all of me. And so I want folks to know that and understand that. And I am very passionate about advocating for things like consent culture and, um, and somatics and working on a trauma-informed perspective, because these are all crucial for all of us to be able to heal the intergenerational trauma that we carry and to heal relationships, right? This is the, the primal trauma we have is the separation, the disconnection from one another. And that, mm -hmm. you know, that often plays out in our intimate romantic spaces, but it isn't exclusively played out there, right? We see it happen in communities. We see it happen in friendships. We see it happen with strangers on the internet, <laughs> in yeah, chat yep. forums, in the comments section, right? So families, um, yeah. And so learning how to have a trauma-informed approach is part of how I've learned to heal that for myself and learned better ways of engaging with the world around me. But it's also helped me um, be better in my own polyamorous relationships. And so I've taken that and I now work with that with folks in learning their own pathway in non-monogamy. Because this goes back to that monogamy hangover, right? Monogamy is this powerful strategy, maybe not effective, but a strategy all the same for safety and security and stability. And the moment we take that away, we run the risk of being traumatized because mm -hmm. it is overwhelming. And so how do we support ourselves from an experiential level, you know, supporting our nervous system, supporting our soma to have uh, a grounded supported, nourishing experience as we get to explore new things. These are the things that I get really excited about. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I asked the right question. <laughs> it was really good. No, um, you know, the, the taking away the veil of monogamy, taking away the, the foundation of monogamy, it really does force, uh, anyone who who's who's exploring something other than monogamy to become more self-aware and those things that you're talking about is i i mean i can hear it i can sense it uh it's a it's a very very uh ex i don't know what it's a, there's a lot of self-awareness there. Like I can, I can just tell, like you, you know, exactly who you are, uh, you know, from your history all the way up till now. And you're very uh, confronting about it. Like you, you know exactly what, what the history is and the things that you want to change and the things that you want to confront and uh, not allow to be part of your life. And I think it's, it's, magnificent um the one thing that i wanted to ask you about the one last thing that what you mentioned it a couple of times uh soma and somatics um i did not get a full understanding of it could you uh give me a 101 on what that is 
Yeah, so somatics is uh, a, a method of relating that um, combines all the parts of ourselves. So it's about our self-relationship. How do we relate between our mind, our body, our heart, and our spirit? And um, somatics has been very influenced by Eastern philosophical thoughts and spiritual practices. Um, but there's a lot of ways that it gets explored in the Western world today. Um, there is somatic movement. There is somatic experiencing, which is a form of therapy. There is um, cultural somatics, which goes into more of that, like intergenerational cultural traumas and how we heal that, you know, the cultural body. And there's also somatic sex education, which is focused on how we bring in this mind, body, heart, spirit connection into our erotic spaces. And so I've had the great fortune to study somatics through various different forms. You know, before I became a relationship coach, I studied theater and acting. And so I got exposed to nice. some somatics through that. And then I studied body work and massage and got to learn a lot of somatics through that. And so, um, you know, I practice somatic movement. I am studying somatic sex education. And um, to me, the, you know, the soma is that glue that combines all the different parts of ourselves. It's that cohesion that we get to feel uh, when everything is in alignment and we're in integrity with ourselves. And I, I think I stumbled onto the path of being in a primary relationship with oneself at, at, almost by accident as I was going through my own journey. But the practices of somatics are what support me to continue that primary relationship with myself as I engage in meaningful ways with the other people in my life. Nice. And I'm lucky we, we still have just a little bit of time. So I have one more question about you mm -hmm. and then uh, we're going to uh, have you have you whatever. Never mind. Um, this one last question as I was reading through uh, the answers that you gave for, for the questions when you signed up for the show. Uh, you said that you were solo poly for a number of years, and now you are in an mm -hmm. open network with an anchor partner. Can you give me a little bit of insight of what that means to you? So uh, solo polyamory is a form of non-monogamy where you are not seeking the relationship escalator, nor are you on the relationship escalator. So most solo polyamorous will say that they are in a primary relationship with themselves. That was me for over 10 years. I had a whole blog about it, Polysinglish, and um, have been one of the admins for the solo polyamory group on Facebook. And it's been a big part of my identity. But, you know, with the with the changes in the last few years in my own personal life. And then, you know, all the ways that the pandemic has been this like crucible for relationships to pass through mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, my own relationship landscape has shifted in this really incredible way. And so I now find myself with an anchor partner who is wonderful and is incredible. And I, you know, I don't, I wouldn't go so far to say that he's my soulmate or my twin flame, but we have this like incredible, incredible connection and the way that we nourish each other is really beautiful. And so we've actively chosen to create that as an anchor partnership. And we're mm -hmm. still exploring what that is going to look like for us in the long term. But it is, you know, we are as a, as life partners, we are looking at how are we going to live together and nest together and support each other in um, building our dreams. And so I am consciously choosing to engage in parts nice. of couples privilege and um, 
to engage in a relationship that for some people they're going to look at it and think that it's a monogamous thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're looking at how do we challenge that? <laughs> <laughs> how do we how do we be subversive to those assumptions that people have when they look at us? And yeah. the open network part of it? Yeah, so I still have other lovers and um, people who are important to me uh, in different parts of the world. And um, so does my anchor partner. He has uh, another partner uh, close to him and he has other people who are significant in his life. Um, And so it is it's really about like there we are still polyamorous there's still the possibility of other relationships uh but there is this understanding that we are we are anchored with one another as nesting partners got it got it yeah. uh mel it has been so much fun uh getting to know you i'm really excited and and happy that i got this chance to meet you been following you on instagram uh and you know just there's a lot of good content that you're putting out for anybody who's listening uh, and anybody who's watching, but specifically listening. Uh, would you tell the audience how they can follow you and where they can find you if they want to work with you? Yeah. So on Facebook and on Instagram, you can find me at Radical Relating. I post on both of those pretty regularly. You can also go to my website, RadicalRelationshipCoaching.ca, and you can find links there for all my different courses. I've been writing courses online, and I have my monogamy detox course uh, that happens twice a year, uh, which is super cool. I can tell you more about it, but go on the website. The next one's coming up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Next one's coming up, starting up at the end of this month. Please, please talk about it. April 23rd, it starts. It's a six week online course, uh, but you get lifetime access because we're not going to detox from our monogamy hangover in six weeks. My goodness, no. Um, (laughs) So you get to keep having access to it. Um, But you also get to connect with a whole community of people who are on that same journey. And it's very much trauma informed. You get to learn more about somatics and you get to uh, learn more about new structures and ways of engaging with your wider relationships landscape, basically. Um, And I have lots of payment plan options. And, um, you know, uh, if you are low income and need support, etc, just come reach out to me. Um, But you can find more information of that uh, on my coaching website. So radicalrelationshipcoaching.ca. I offer my coaching around the world. Right now with the pandemic, I'm offering everything on a pay what you can basis because I don't want people to be suffering in their relationships and feel like they can't access support. Um, And I'm also super happy to point people in the direction of resources if I don't feel like I'm the person who's best equipped to help them. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, Seriously, this has been so much fun. Uh, I I, I feel honored and blessed to have been able to hang out with you for a little while. So thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much, James. Yeah, you ask great questions. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. You know, just ask whatever comes to mind because I don't understand a lot of things, but you know, that is what it is. <laughs> oh, and thank you uh, again, as always, to our live audience for tuning in. As a reminder, when you're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same cannot be said for those podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time. Or sign up for Patreon where you get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and wherever it is that you download your podcast if you haven't already. And please leave us a review. Really appreciate it. That is all we've got, everybody. Thank you all. As always, uh, thank you, Tara. Uh, maybe an error message on your website. Uh, I was getting, I was, I, I got to it, so it's all good. And Gloria, thank you for tuning in. Appreciate it.
And there you go. Tara says you can have an anger partner and be polyamorous. So, all right, that's it. Truly, that's all we've got. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Have a nice day. Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicing